This is Coda Radio, episode 152, for May 4th, 2015. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, who is most decidedly established on the East Coast. Why, yes, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello there, Michael. Yar, Fisher. Yar, Mr. Dominic. Yar, it is the 4th of May. You know, out of all all episodes, you could so ever legitimately there, though, right? come in with Jar Jar. Ever. No, nope, not doing it. Not doing I am not giving you the satisfaction. Wow. I just, I don't like, I don't actually ever want it, except for when it is May oh, 4th. Oh, you want it. You would undress like that if you didn't want it. Yeah. Oh, don't you. Chris, <laughs> Chris, we've talked about this. I can't believe I went there already. Mr. Dominic, uh, I tell you what, I'm fired up. I got a little, I, I can't tell you something. Tell me something. Baby. I slept until 7 o'clock today. I slept until 7 a.m. for the first time in, I think, maybe four or five months. I mean, do, do you have, like, do you have a, a cancer of the metachlorines? No, no. Uh, my metachlorines are actually quite good. Uh, I, I go through a metachlorine. Uh, I have a supplement, and I go mm-hmm. through a regime of supplements to keep my metachlorines. Yeah. I actually drink pure Gungan spring water. Yeah, that does it, too. Also, kombucha. Yeah, that just sounds gross, too. Yeah, and, and uh, kale, but uh, not if you put butter on it. Anyways, back to my story. So uh, my kids, you know, <laughs> it's, the, it's the perfect trifecta. Actually, it's the quadfecta, really, to be honest with you. Is that a thing? Because you got to have... Your... Uh, it's called a superfecta, dude. Okay, the superfecta. Thank yep. you. I, my bad. Uh, yep. I, I, you got to have all three kids sleep in and the wife not wake you up. And to be real, you got to like have no, nothing at work blowing up. Like, when does that happen anymore? Never. I slept until 7, and I didn't, like, oh, it was amazing. I didn't sleep great, but I'm so, just that, though, that gave me a spring in my step, Mr. Dominic. And I, but I, I feel like while I have some interesting news, hey, I slept until 7, everybody. You, on the other hand, you have, like, a whole new category of news. Like, my news, that's, like, good job, Chris. Your yeah. news is, like, life-changing news. So before we get to that, which we're going to talk about next, we have... A hell of a show for you today. Uh, it's so chock full. It, it is it, amazing. It's like Chris's liquor cabinet before I come over. <laughs> yes, and I have to tell you, it is quality, quality, quality. Uh, so basically, we all know it. You just haven't fully, fully internalized it yet. But open source, I believe, has won, and I will make the case as for why. And it's actually not me that's making it. It's going to be Microsoft. Microsoft. And I'm going to talk about talk about that. Plus, obviously, Build was huge. A lot of stuff came out of that. We're going to have to talk about some of the fallout from that. Uh, really interesting things there. And then today, as we're recording the show, some major announcements around Azure on the premises, bringing your own Azure internally, using the public API for it, and all of them goodies. Uh, it, but we're going to talk about that more. Uh, also, we have some PyCon stuff to talk about, uh, some Docker follow-up, and uh, uh, and then, of course, Mike's huge news and other shenanigans that we uh, meander off into. So big show. So without any further ado, without any further teasing, I- I'll set it up, Mike, and then you can just knock it out. But uh, those those of you who have been listening over the last few episodes, keen, keen listeners may have noticed that Mike has been sort of rethinking things, going through some transitions, perhaps like Steve Jobs, cast out of Apple, off into mm. the wilderness... Mm. Wandering to find his next big thing. Stabbed directly in the back. Yes. Uh, which brings us to today. And uh, Mike's big news. Mike, Mike I've got, uh, I've got uh, this, this link in the show notes that goes to a site I've never seen before. I'm going to go there right now. Let's see. Buccaneertech.com. What's this? You know, I don't know. So, so long story. Um, you know, I, I'm minding my own business going broke, doing my thing. Sure. And um, a bunch of pirates grabbed me and said, Yar, matey. Arr, we have a problem arr. with the SQL Server, and we need open source solutions for the cloud and for mobile. Huh. And I said, Yar, arr. let me help you. Arr, arr. So I was hoping, Chris, so here's what Buccaneer is going to focus on. Well, then, hold on, the party's arrived. That's nice. 
Yeah, in, buddy. In, in true pilot pirate fashion, the popo is after us. That's great, man. That's that's perfect, Mr. Dominic. Perfect. So we're focusing on HTML5 and open source technologies only hmm. for mobile, the cloud, and wearables where applicable, right? Um, really, really heavy focus on Angular JS and all that JavaScripty goodness. This is basically, Chris, for longtime listeners of the show, this is me caving and saying, you web hippies were right. You open source hippies were right. You Linux hippies were right. You BSD people are still wrong. Yeah, sure, naturally. Um, naturally. That's it. And, and I was inspired by Microsoft and GitHub, who we'll get to later, to say, open is the way to go. You know, this is so, uh, I'm going to sound like such a D bag. You are a D bag. Okay, so I was on a long drive. <clears throat> I, I was on a long, I had like a two hour drive, and it's all back roads. And I was replaying the build conference in my head, thinking about uh, today's show. And, um, you know, I've. I've I've uh before I started the Linux Action Show, I uh I sort of became like a like a I was just I was enamored with open source. I was super impressed by the problems it was solving for me. Not like because of the code and the morals behind it and what that meant and all that, but just because of the problems it was solving. And then that so this is like uh you know, the late nineties when open source was kind of a new ish thing. Uh and then um and then as I started last and I started seeing the way through the Linux Action Show, the way like uh, the way because it's open source, it sort of becomes like this general purpose technology that's available to the people. And that sounds really heady, but that's actually what happens is when code is open, it's like it, it becomes the building blocks on which more amazing things can be built. And when code is closed off, which is fine for certain cases, but you so a lot of times you can't build on top of that. And so... Uh, much like science is a, is a building process where it builds upon itself and education is a building process and arts and music, so is software development. And open source is such a key part to that. And so for me, it's always been extremely important that, uh, you know, we always have very viable open source uh, products and alternatives to commercial alternatives. It's a core of what the Linux Action Show is at. That's what we talk about a lot on this show. <clears throat> so... When I was driving and I was thinking about when I was thinking about Visual Code Studio or whatever they're calling it uh, and how it's open source, it's based on uh, essentially Chromium uh, and, and JavaScript, and it's coming from Microsoft, and it's a it's a polished desktop application, right? It's not. I mean, okay, yeah, they're making their own uh, .NET open source runtime for Linux. That's amazing, right? But for some reason, when it becomes a polished desktop application that the general public can download and look at, and it's a Microsoft-branded product on the Linux desktop, and it's open source, and it's based on their biggest competitor's code, that, to me, I, I, when I processed what all of that meant, what a huge, yeah. huge shift that is, I, I seriously had a moment in that truck where I was like, oh my god, the world has just changed. I really yeah, think the world's changed. I, I, everything has changed. I mean, and that's kind of the thing I came to realize. Um, being proprietary, it, it seems like it would make sense, right? It seems like you could hide your secret sauce and, and kind of, you know, you know, burst on the scene, so to speak. It's just not worth it, right? You're no. almost always better off being open, and you're almost always better off uh, utilizing open source. Well, and you know the, what? You know, you know what we have talked about. Not to interrupt you, <coughs> we've just talked about it so much on this show. Like there is that sweet spot where you can be a lean, mean team and be super efficient and profitable, and then you can get big and you can get too many clients, and it becomes unmanageable. Yeah. And then you, you're playing that you're playing the, the finances uh, uh, yeah. uh, whack-a-mole game, where uh, essentially. Uh, you know, from a straight-up business standpoint, open source is uh, R&D that's done for you for free. It's code that's written for you for free yeah. that you can build on top of. It enables you to be a leaner, meaner operation in the Internet generation where, you know, you're selling stuff for $1.99. You're not selling stuff for 60 bucks, right? So you, you have to be able to rely on the, the work of others. Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, you know, it, it's really funny. I mean... I, there are some questions in the chat room about Buccaneer that I'm happy to answer. But just on the open source thing, it got to the point with Fingertip that it made sense at the time, you know, six years ago, right, when everything was 
and I know you, I know you last guys and you Linux guys will jump at this, but I mean, really, a lot of things were still proprietary, right? The mindset was RFPs, right? The mindset was fixed bid, proprietary kind of deals, and that is a totally different business model. Yes, it's still developing software for people, though I would argue that it's wildly different people. Um, you know, j- just the idea of being able to say five out of seven people who come through my door want, you know, 80% of the same thing, right? If I did that in an open source way that could be shared between them, lower cost for them, higher margins for me, um, a more sustainable, more reasonable business for employees, right? right? Interesting. It's like or, micro open source uh, right. and where where the business itself is uh, is sort of the owner of the open source projects, but uh, can... can but, ex- but could still accept. work on it in the open. Yeah. And, you know, let's be real here. Fingertip always had a problem of being proprietary and serving the startup market, which well, is a difference with Buccaneer. Buccaneer, we're not going to focus on startups in that it's lovely if you're, if, you know, you're working on a startup and the startup is successful, but nine out of 10 startups fail, right? And unfortunately, the startup companies, you know, the last thing they're going to pay is their software vendor. And you have all this proprietary code that, sure, legally might revert back to you, but is, is that really where you want to be? Are you really comfortable trying to reuse that code? Mm. Wouldn't it be better in that kind of scenario? Um, and better for not just me, right, not just the owner of the company. It's not just a money grab, but for the employees to say, well, at least our work isn't just going to be in a repo somewhere that's in some sort of strange escrow until Great payment's point. received. Great point. That's never going to be received because your, your client's effectively bankrupt. It's, it's sort of an insurance policy for the employees, right. too. Saying that your work is still there, your work is still – an employee can be defined as contractor, employee, someone helping out part-time, right? It, it can be anything you want. Now, in terms of, you know, focusing on a different market, because if, if you'll indulge me for a second, this is kind of what I want to talk about. I love startups. I've started two of them. They are not great customers hmm. because you inherit their problems. And your, their problems become your problems, and then you end up having to do all the distasteful things that they also have to do, right? Hmm. So for a business developing software – especially if you're developing proprietary closed-source software for a startup, there's so much wasted effort to quote RMS. There's so much code that's locked in some weird escrow place of non-payment or of, well, we did this for the startup, and they went to market, and they decided to you know, sunset themselves after six months. Hmm. So hmm. there goes our portfolio, mm-hmm. right? It, it wasn't worth it, and... I wouldn't say it isn't worth it. It wasn't where I wanted to be anymore. It wasn't working. The proprietary model, literally, I have written the same code Hmm. hundreds of times. Right. Right. So the idea here is I'm taking a bet, and I could be wrong, and I could be poor, and I could be living on Rikai's couch, which I think is your couch. It's a great couch, I'm thinking there are enough enterprises out there, or medium to large businesses, that would see the benefit in a purely open source system, right? Purely open source development with maybe one or two proprietary modules mm. that have, you know, possibly their, their, I mean, there's always things that can't be open, right? Hippo secret sauce. Stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So you put and their secret it. sauce in the modules. You put their secret sauce or even things that are like security, HIPAA compliance is something I'm thinking about, right? That couldn't be open. Or can it easily be open? Again, right, consult right. your attorneys, kids. I don't know how that all works. Wouldn't that make more sense? You now have clients who are financially strong, right, who are doing this for a business value. And frankly, I would just rather work on open source. I'd rather work on open technologies than, you know, the hot new whiz bang proprietary, proprietary, I'm sorry, proprietary thing that's going to be deprecated in nine months. I don't know. Maybe I'm a hippie. Maybe you guys have finally influenced me. <laughs> but I, this is, and Chris knows from off the air, this has been a conversation that's been going on behind the scenes as, you know, things changed in my life, things changed with fingertip focusing on startups, and uh, that sort of not going in the direction I wanted it to go in. Mm-hmm. That yeah. it didn't make a whole lot of sense. 
So what I find uh, – what, what seems to be like the sweet spot right now is sort of this uh, this position you have where people can get in. I, I really like – I mean obviously I buy in all the open source from the customer's right. advantage. But I didn't really ever consider it from the standpoint of the people that would work for you. Sort of their time isn't really – when you work on a proprietary product, that time is it essentially – it's completely wholly owned by the company. But when you're working on an open source product – project, product, whatever, there's a possibility that when you left later on down the road, you could come across and be like, hey, you know what? A year ago, I wrote some great code in this open source project that I could hey, use. You know, there was one, uh, one really um, interesting conversation that happened a couple months ago that keeps bringing to mind. I had one uh, young developer working for me at the time, and like most of our clients, the project was a startup. And the startup, you know, there were already red flags that it wasn't going to mm. do well. And he asked me, well, what happens if they close? I said, well, technically, you know, if they close and they don't pay, a lot of the IP could revert to us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that you'd never be able to use it personally, and I would never be able to use it or allow you to because, you know, it's in this weird limbo where they paid for part of it, right? They paid a deposit but they didn't actually finish the project. Hmm. And it's maybe like their idea possibly? or Right. Something. It, it, what part of the IP really can revert back? You'd have to fight it out in court. <sighs> and what it really came down to is, for business reasons, I obviously wasn't willing to take that fight. And he was understandably disappointed that this source code, would, with some, I would say some pretty cool algorithms he had worked out, was basically going to be put on a, a Samsung you know, flash drive just in case they ever decided to mail a check. Hmm. Right. Hmm. And that was it. Well, I, there's there's definitely one huge concern I have. Uh and I mean I mean I, I and I think it's probably navigatable, but uh when it when I think about it from a client perspective, uh and depending on who you're talking to, there's uh, and in the market, there's there, they could have one major concern and I will tell you about that in just a moment. But first, <laughs> How about our first sponsor? And that is DigitalOcean. My friends, let's take a moment. Ooh, let's stretch and let's celebrate the great DigitalOcean. Why is DigitalOcean so handy? Well, I tell you what. When you're working out there, you want to, you definitely want to give off a professional look. You want to give off a professional image. And the best way to achieve that is by actually having professional services and actually delivering on what you say you're going to deliver. That's how you actually do that. And that's where DigitalOcean comes in. Uh, I found out about DigitalOcean through Mike. Uh, they, he uses them as the, as the backend infrastructure for a lot of the stuff he's built. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up your own cloud server. You get root access through an HTML5 console. I mean, you get the full access to this thing. You can watch it post. Go, the OS boot, and then of course it's a it's a public machine up on the web. It's you get full full control of this thing, and you can make it do whatever you need to. But let me give you some of the specifics because I think you're going to find there's a lot you can do with this power. You're, first of all, time to set up is ridiculous. You can get started in less than 55 seconds, and the pricing plans amazing value. They start at only five dollars a month. You'll get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, and a CPU, of course, but this is the I just I cannot get over it. a terabyte of transfer, guys. A terabyte of transfer is such a good deal that uh, if I was starting out a podcast network today, I would spin up three or four or five or six DigitalOcean droplets and I would distribute all of my files that way. And I would just I, that would do me for years and years, and my users would have incredible speed. And the best part is, DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, Germany, and London. So you could you could pick a few of these different locations. In fact, the one in Germany is a really great location for this and distribute files at incredible speeds. And to set up any of this, to deploy applications, to take snapshots, to do DNS management, to destroy your machine, to build another, another machine based off a machine that you previously have loved. I do that all the time to save money, to save time. Uh, or, you know, one-click applications like Ruby on Rails, GitLab, um, Ghost is an incredible blogging platform if you just want something really simple where you just write some markdown files and drop them in a folder. Definitely check out Ghost. You can try it with just a one-click application. And if you use our promo code, Coder Digital, that'll give you a $10 credit. So you could try out that $5 rig and just try Ghost for free for two months or GitLab. Or uh, I have a Minecraft server right now that I set up for my son Dylan uh, running on DigitalOcean Droplet. And if you use the promo code Coder Digital, well then try it out for two months totally free. And by the way, not only do they have an incredible control panel, but they have, like, the best API in the business. The other uh, hosting providers, they are trying to rip it off. 
but they can't keep up because DigitalOcean just revved it and they just added even more stuff. And I, one of the number one things I hear from our audience is all of the cool ways that they have managed to leverage that API to sort of protect them. You know, it kind of makes you like, so like when they do package updates or before they do a big deployment, they can integrate with that API to take snapshots or, or to redeploy machines or, you know, like Alan has often talked about how great it would be to build, just plug that right into the Puppet management infrastructure they have at Scale Engine. Because now that DigitalOcean has uh, free BSD rigs, it's also a great alternative for Scale Engine when they need immediate on-demand infrastructure. That's a cool aspect of DigitalOcean as well is they have hourly pricing. And then on top of all of that, the best tutorials on the web. They are really good. And they, they have a dedicated editing staff, and they've paid people for these tutorials. They're really good stuff. So go over there. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. Get a $10 promo. Try out that $5 rig two months for free. Yeah, you, won't even have to use the, you won't even have to use your credit card. Just put it in there. CODERDIGITAL. And just apply it at any time. DigitalOcean.com. And a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. All right, so Mr. Dominic, I would say the number one problem I would worry about, I'm not actually saying this is a problem, but I would think open source? I want what we build to be proprietary. We want the advantage in our market. We don't want to give our competitors an edge. It's funny because it is, um, you know, and I don't want to go too much inside baseball because I think this is probably boring for people, but one of the one of the major I would consider major flaws in fingertip was the one the proprietary nature of it two the focus on startups right and those kind of went hand in hand because startups were crazy about secrecy and it doesn't matter right if you're doing something big if you're doing something hard you can be as open as you want because nobody else is going to do it but if you're doing yet another social network then yeah you need to be a little secretive like for sure. Uh, yet another Instagram clone, right? You need to be a little secretive. I don't. You may be right, Chris. Right? There, there. I, and in fact, I would go so far to say that there's probably some middle manager and a starch white teacher at some enterprise, probably right down the road from where I'm sitting right now, who would tell me, Mike, seemed like a nice guy, but we we don't believe in open source. We can't do this. So what I would say to them is, well, I understand that. And why not baby steps? Why not open core? And let me ask you this. Are you using Java anywhere in your enterprise? How about MySQL? Because right. you have a Linux. It's so pervasive using now. It. They're already right. probably using it. And I would say this, too. Uh, it seems like sometimes uh, in business, you got to kind of jump in a little bit before maybe it's 100% mainstream. But at this point in time, when you've got... When you've got basically every big player in the industry contributing to major open source projects now in a very public way as sort of like a number one feature on the quote-unquote box, um, it's not that big of a leap to be the guy that's saying, all right, well, if you don't want to do open source, we'll find somebody else. Because that's probably going to become less and less people that have that protest. And I think a lot of it is a messaging problem. I, I, you know, you're right. You're, you're, uh, your concern is fair. There are definitely middle managers out there who are possibly decision makers who will say, I'm sorry, we don't do open source as they're sitting there using their, you know, Chrome browser with a Java applet running or a Java or Ruby on Rails web application in it, right? A lot of these people don't know that they're using open source. They're, They're just unaware of it. It's like saying, Chris, do you ever drink caffeine and you not knowing that coffee has caffeine in it? Yeah, right. Right. I could be wrong, and, and if I'm wrong, I'm assuming the Linux Foundation will pay my rent. Is is that true? Um, only if you just maybe develop something like the Linux kernel that changes the entire world. Well, I'm going to go a step further, Chris. Now, this is less to do with the business, but and if anybody wants to know more about the business or more about kind of my uh, my war wounds from fingertip, I'm happy to share them. I'm considering writing something up about it. I'm going to be switching to Linux. Mm. And this time, I'm actually going to do it. I need to buy a machine first, but then I'm going to do mm. it. Mm. Buccaneertech.com. Yes, we'll and we're working the on notes. the site is, I'll admit, and Chris, you probably know this better than most, the, and New Jersey is the worst state in the country for setting up a business. The legal crap, the mounds of paperwork, is unbelievable. So I unfortunately was only able to get a WordPress site up with the help of the yeah, illustrious bad. Zach Berman. Who, it's not bad. By the way, by the way, have you ever seen a war movie, Chris? Oh, sure, sure. All right, uh, so you have a private running up the hill, right? Mm, maybe call him Ryan. Now, 
Now, let's call him Zach. Oh. Now, he turns around. You, you shoot him, right? Sure. Absolutely. Of course. Hang on. I got to go get my gun. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, 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 uh, I am excited, Mr. Dominic. I, I, I hope you will keep us posted on the progress. And, uh, I will. I will. I'm, I'm actually already specking out Linux machines. And believe it or not, my pro USA stance aside, someone in the chat room is mentioning the carbon. I am hmm. looking at the carbon, believe it or not. It's between the carbon, the Meerkat, which probably isn't a contender because it's just a little box, and the uh, Galago Pro, which hmm. I've been lusting after for a year and a half. The Galago Pro is a good choice, although I don't know. I don't know when the last time it was updated, but as long as it's modern, uh, it's a little long in the tooth. I would it, also it, it, the yeah. one the one deciding. I don't know if it has the Iris five thousand or fifty five hundred. That would so uh, Angela just got the uh, Yoga three, the um, the uh, ThinkPad Yoga three, the one with the screen folds around, and uh, it's thinner than the new MacBook actually. Uh, at least that's what they say. And um, is it real? Uh, it, it it also charges over USB, although it has more than one USB port. Um, it's really a really good machine. It is m- my biggest surprise of the year so far, as far as Linux computers go. It it is. Mike, have you ever bought something for your wife and then immediately tried to figure out how to swap things around where you could take what you just got in her and give her something else? <laughs> Uh, I can either confirm nor deny <laughs> Yeah, that. I'm not saying I did this either. And I'm not mm. saying I will, because I won't. But uh, I will not... I mean, it, the scenario may have played through my head a few times, like, oh, like, I either need to get this machine or I need to spare the funds up to go buy this machine. That's how much I like it. And I would definitely go with it over the XPS 13 high DPI right now, because Linux is, is just not quite there with high DPI. And mostly everything will work, especially if you have good eyesight. Uh, but it also just pushes the graphics card more than you're probably going to, unless you don't mind your fans kicking up in your laptop. I, I hate pr- that. Yeah. I hate that a lot, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. So then don't go high DPI yet under Linux, okay. in my okay. opinion. Uh, but uh, the Yoga 3 uh, with a 10, she got the, not the Pro, she got the Yoga 3 just regular with a 1080p display, an SSD drive. We put 8 gigs of RAM in it. It was like 900 bucks total. Now, that was after we did yeah. some post-purchase upgrades. Well, but. I, I'm liking that. Uh, I, think it's the, uh, I think it's the same one, the orange one that we looked at a couple weeks ago. Yeah, hers is just black, but yeah. Oh, you gotta go orange. Well, you gotta you go can... Angela, you gotta go orange. And it's got a touch screen, and under GNOME 3, that actually works pretty good, and it turns out she's liking that quite a bit, more than she thought she would. Mm. Alright, so should we talk about something even more crazy sure. than, than me trying to start an open source business, which is psychotic. You know, Chris, sometimes I'm sitting there writing Objective-C uh-huh. and thinking, God, I wish this was on the surface. Uh-huh, I, yeah, right. I, I, I can't think of when this has happened, but let's pretend like it so did. So Microsoft last Wednesday announced plans to add Objective-C support to the forthcoming Windows 10 platform. The, the move should make it even easier for iOS developers to port their applications to the Windows platform. iOS apps on Windows 10? Yeah, so or is these Mac OS apps? I'm not following. No, they're iOS. It's Cocoa Touch. It's UIKit. Why would I want? So, that? so they're writing bridges, right? Um, if you're familiar with the Amazon, well, you're familiar with the Kindle for sure, right? Totes. Right. So Amazon has a bunch of bridges for the Google Play services that kind of, sort of work. That, mm, to be fair, they work, but it's it's really not where you want to be. Microsoft is doing the same thing for iOS. Now, my question for them is, and I love so many things that they announced to build, and I'm going to build on the 18th in New York. You have a bunch of people who, who don't care about your, your platform who are moving to a new language. So let's target the old language, hmm. and let's just port their apps. I, I, I don't know. This seems awful to me. I mean, is it just me? Well, it does seem desperate. I'll give you that. Uh, and it seems to me step one in making Windows Mobile irrelevant. Step two is uh, getting you know, Android. Windows Mobile has been gone for like right, well, seven years. Yeah, but Microsoft, years. you know, the things move slow. So step two is getting Android <laughs> apps to be first-class citizens on the Windows platform. That'll come. And then step three is... Uh, oh, no, they have a project for Android already. They talked yes, about it. Yes, yeah. yeah. I know, but they got to get them first-class citizens. That'll be a word. I think they'll even use the term first-class citizen, something like that. It'll be a big you know, thing. You know, every time I hear some first class citizens, I think of like the sixties and all yeah, that. Yeah, kind of right. I know. I don't. I don't know it's, why they it's keep so out of date. They yeah. need to stop using it so much. And then, and then, and then, you ready for this? Hit me. They'll release a version of Windows Mobile 
that is the Windows Mobile UI and the Windows 10 Universal applications with Bing integration and all of the back-end Microsoft services like Cortana running on type on top of Troy CyanogenGen. That seems like a madness. Now they've already got this big multi-million dollar deal with Cyanogen to ship Cyanogen with all the Microsoft apps by default. That's already in the bag. Cyanogen has already said they want to take power away from Android. Microsoft has invested millions or is going to be investing millions into Cyanogen. Windows platform is a total bomb. You have these universal applications. I'm just saying it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but that would be some crazy yes. All right. Why? <laughs> because nobody's buying Windows Mobile, but people are creating Android apps like crazy. And it drives them crazy that, boy, you think... This is you not think- a trivial thing. I mean, I just want to... Just let me rewind for a second. I made it sound like they just wrote some bridging classes for, for Objective-C. Uh-huh. They effectively had to write their own runtime. And I know technically it's probably not a real runtime. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I didn't dig that deep into it. Yeah. But this is not like a trivial, right. oh, we wrote you a helper library. Right. This is like... A huge endeavor. You know what I haven't heard since Steve Ballmer left? Windows, 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 Windows. Windows, Windows, Windows. Windows Mobile is a product of a failed administration. And let me tell you something else. You know what would make the best mother-effing Android phone on the market? Some of those high-end Lumias with those great cameras. That's true. Those, the Lumias were awesome. I, in, in fact, right? I had the HTC M8 or no, the HTC. That would sell. One. That yeah. would Cyanogen on a Lumia. Yeah. I would buy that. No, the, the hardware was always very good. I, I like the. Uh, I can't remember the damn name, but the purple HTC I had. And you know what? Awesome if Microsoft phone. keeps it up, you know it's funny. You know what's funny about this, right? Is and what's Google doing at the same time? All of the Google is systematically replacing all of the Aesop apps with closed Google Play based applications. Everything from mail to camera. They're yeah. closing it down. Microsoft's opening up on the other end of the spectrum. They're opening up. They ship something with Cyanogen with their own applications. And now this is a few years down the road. So this narrative has continued to build, right? Microsoft continues to be the underdog who's reaching out and opening up and changing and, and really trying. And Google continues to be the big powerful company and closing up. People are starting to trust Microsoft more because they're the underdog. I'd rather have all my services tied to Microsoft. I have OneDrive backend that ties in with my desktop at work. I can have that on my phone now. It's perfect. And everybody leaps on top of it. And plus, then it continues to integrate with all of the Android ecosystem, like all of the Android Wear devices. You can use any of the Google services you want, and which Google is an obvious contender now, even in business with the Google Docs and Google for Businesses. So Microsoft has to be able to contend there. And what better way to contend there to actually be on Android? And I'm just – I look at this and like if I was Satya and I was totally removed – from the whole Windows, 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 20 years, 25, 30 years of Windows, got to be Windows, 40 years of Windows, oh my God, got to have, if I was removed from all of that, this is the choice I would take. I'm already investing millions in the company. I'm already writing our best applications for the platform, for Android. It has way more adoption. I care way more about Azure and the cloud. I just want to sell my desktop applications. I just want to sell Office subscriptions, Office 365. Mm. Just saying, I would do it. You know, it's funny because from a from a data perspective, I kind of do trust Microsoft more. You know, with that kind right. of thing. Right. They're not. They're well. They're not an advertising based company. Right. But let's move on to a developer, uh, a little more developer focus. Because you know, as someone who's written quite a lot of Objective C, um, I literally have no interest in doing this. I'm yeah. Sorry. Right. Like. It, and it's not like me being like Mac is better. It's it's not me being whatever. It's do you remember? Everybody here probably remembers Java Swing, right? <laughs> this is that's never... where I'm going to leave it. That's, that's where I'm going to leave that whole line of logic. Okay. You remember Java Swing? Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I have a couple of things I want to talk to you about before Don't we completely worry. move on. So, despite Objective C, uh, I actually think there's a couple of things that do make it. Uh, do make Windows 10 itself a compelling platform for developers to write for. Uh, and um, I don't know about open source, but I think they're going to take something and do something with it. I think they already have all the pieces lined up, and I don't know if there's a huge market, but I think there's a big enough market that if a few people jump on it, they'll probably make some sales. Uh, and so, and it's a bit of a ripoff, too. So go figure. But first, we'll talk about something that'll get you better, something that'll help bring you to the next level. If you're kind of trying to break through make that big change, trying to really push yourself. 
I want to recommend Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. This is a site where you can self-train yourself. It's a platform, really, built by people that truly care about Linux and open source and educators and developers that came together and created the Linux Academy. And their dashboard and the site is super, super sweet. So uh, some of the things that I just personally love about it as a longtime Linux user is you get to choose from 7-plus Linux distributions, which is really nice because there was a period of time where I was very invested in the Red Hat space for many, many years. Then I had to make a transition to SUS, and then I had to make a transition to Debian. And I would love the opportunity to be able to go through and adjust my courseware. And plus, not only is it the courseware, but the virtual servers and the labs that they spin up automatically also adjust. They have step-by-step video courses with live events and more all the time being published. Downloadable comprehensive study guides you can read offline or audio that you can listen to on the go like a podcast or like Seth listening in the shower. I met Seth again at Linux Fest Northwest. And uh, I forgot to bring up the fact that he, he does Linux Academy in the shower. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I love also the scenario-based labs. Um, I sometimes, when I'm, doing, when I'm doing something sort of on the line, getting paid for it for the first time, that's sort of nerve-wracking for me. I like to have ran a scenario, done a simulation, tested it. That's where scenario-based labs come in over at Linux Academy. In addition to the lab servers, you'll receive access to the scenario-based labs that put you in the middle of a task, common to an everyday environment. You'll work in the advanced lab environments while completing these scenarios from beginning to end, and they're on live servers, so you get a real experience of what it's like without that pressure. That's the kind of experience. It isn't, doesn't just teach you something, but it also walks you through it so you get a little muscle memory. Uh, and, of course, extra- instructor help is always available. You get to keep track of your progress as you go along, which is great, very great. They'll break things down into how long something's going to take, even at each individual level, and there's quizzes to see where you're at. And they're always adding new content. Things are getting better and better. Uh, some of their new Red Hat Certified Engineer content just went online. They have a new, uh, they have a new grant they're giving out for open source projects. They are constantly doing great stuff. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about on this show, the DevOps Essentials is now available. That's probably something worth taking a look at if you're kind of a little gray on that. Uh, I think this is also a great, uh, a great like, long-term value. Just keep going back and back and back for these nuggets. They're single how-tos that walk you through doing specific tasks. They don't belong in a course related to content necessarily. It's like a single video lesson somewhere between could be two minutes or 60 minutes long, and it just teaches you one specific thing that just makes you better at that task, which will make you more efficient throughout your day. And that's where Linux Academy continues to pay off because they're adding more stuff like that all the time. They're always updating that. It's really great. Get started by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That way you get the Coder Radio discount. You also are kind of voting for the Coder Radio program to stay on the air. It's a way to let our sponsor know, yes, even though you've been a long-time sponsor, I still appreciate you being here. I still appreciate you keeping Mike and Chris talking about the things they love on the Coda Radio program. And you can do that by going to Coda Radio or going to linuxacademy.com slash coders and then go check out Linux Academy. I think it's what you need to move the needle. Linuxacademy.com. You know what? If 100 people sign up for Linux Academy, I will keep Jar Jar away for a month. Wow. Wow. That'd be amazing. I'm just kidding. No. Oh, no. oh okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about uh, Microsoft's uh, con- con- uh, continuum, not continuity, uh, where they say, hey, look, you write an application that does tablet form factor or form factor, then here's what we're going to allow you to do. When the user sits down and they plug in their phone to an HDMI thingadinger or whatever, then we'll give them a near PC-like experience with a mouse and a keyboard for them to go through their email. So they're going to use the modern UI applications that can scale based on the size of the screen and kind of do what Canonical is doing with QML. I was going to say, Mark Shuttleworth is probably cursing up a storm right now. Yeah. I mean, it does validate what they wanted to work on and, and to a degree, although I don't know if Microsoft doing it validates it. But um, what do you think of this, Mike, when you look at it from like uh, the, essentially – there's not going to be a lot of people writing applications for this platform, let's be honest. And so if there was somebody like really? me, but like, let's just go back to your old favorite, your, like a GitHub client. Like you right. could make the, the, the first GitHub client that works both in the phone, or phone form factor and the continuum factor. And that might, you know, you might be able to charge, you know, double the price for something like that. I, I doubt that so hard. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? One advantage I think you're alluding to of the Microsoft platform is that there's almost no competition. So if you have a good app, you're unlikely to have a direct competitor there. Whereas on Apple or on Google, you, you, you have four or five competitors, right? Mm-hmm. And many of them are likely free. The, you know, you remember, Chris, about, well, 
when those when Windows RT came out, I made a pretty sizable financial bet on Windows RT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got zero percent of that back. Mm-hmm. So I'm very gun shy on this. I'm, and, and I don't want to be a hater, and I'm not pandering to the Linux folks in the crowd when I say this, but I'm unwilling to take another gamble on a Microsoft platform at at the present juncture. Right. If that platform isn't Azure, right. Uh, and even Azure, it has to make sense. Not not that it's not good, not that it's not technically you know great, and that the tool chains are look awesome and everything looks great. I've taken a look at it. I, I once been twice shy, right? And that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, I thought, and you remember the people go back in the archives. You can hear my pretty passionate defense of Windows RT at the time. Um, I thought the IPA APIs were great. I thought it was well-designed. C-sharp is a great language. The development tools are awesome. Everything is pretty good from a getting shit done perspective. The problem is you, there are no customers. And I don't mean just customers in terms of indie buying your app. I mean even consulting, right? There, no one wants it. Hmm. So, you know, you're... It was a pretty significant loss. And I'll, I'll leave it there. You know, the, the training, the time... It was a pretty big, uh, big loss, and I can't imagine people who aren't already in the Microsoft space being super enthusiastic about coming over right now. Right, right, of course. That's, I think, why they're doing this. Right. Well, they're trying to make it easier. They're yeah. trying to make that investment yeah. so low that it's kind of like, oh, what the hell, right? Like the Amazon, like throwing your Android this app This is their weak – what you're talking about is their weakest area. Their strongest area right. is on-premises servers and Azure. And uh, Microsoft uh, today is talking about essentially uh, bringing what's called the Azure stack on-premises. It's a software-defined set of – like you, I'm assuming I, – I don't have no idea how they'd actually pull this off. They'd have to have partnerships with the hardware makers and all of this. But let's assume Microsoft could make all of this work together on your own premises and wouldn't cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in hardware replacements. Microsoft will – this Azure stack will bring software-defined networking, pooling of direct-attached storage, handling and securing of virtual machines, monitoring on prem- of all of on-premises data centers essentially bringing private cloud solutions to your own local data center with the Azure API available to it called Azure Stack, running on Windows and Linux virtual machines. Uh, This, to me, is where they actually have a good chance. If they merge these two worlds efficiently, this is a slam dunk because I picture a, um, a, a floodgate of so... So much internal infrastructure that has been built up over the last 15 years that needs to eventually be replaced. And it's slow, but it's going to start moving faster and faster and faster and faster. And Microsoft doesn't need to be in the position yet to make that a super slick, uh, seamless transition. But they are totally setting up for that with this. And this is a very savvy move. And if they can get it ready in time to make it a very viable product that doesn't cost the businesses thousands of dollars to implement, i.e. if they can do it with existing hardware and maybe it just needs to support you know, some sort of network management protocol, uh, they might really have something here. And uh, they might really be able to offer a serious competitor to uh, uh, some of uh, EC2 and, uh, and others. I, I think that sounds ridiculous on the face of it, but I think people who have not worked in IT have no idea the amount of infrastructure, services, and systems that are sitting behind these corporate firewalls that need to be replaced. And more and more of them are going to look for a solution that is going to be scalable and manageable and reportable, and it's all going to tie into this kind of stuff. And that's exactly where like this Azure stack could fit in. Perfectly, they could nail this one. I don't know how that translates to developers making money or anything like that, but uh, I just, you know, just to sort of counterbalance what I think you're very, very justifiably touching on is their weakest area, i.e., why should developers give a single shit about writing an application for their platform? When you are looking for infrastructure, I am seeing more and more reason to spend your time learning this and investing in this and maybe even deploying on Azure. I'm not going to say that, but it does seem more and more reasonable. Well, certainly there, there's a big market of you know medium to relatively large businesses who are still running old Windows servers in the basement, right? Oh, man. Who still have you know applications that are super proprietary yeah, on MS SQL oh, yeah. that 
plug, 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 could probably leverage open source software and lower their costs dramatically. Um, but whatever, right? It may be an easier transition for them to go with an Azure-based solution. Now, do they want to do that Azure solution on-prem? I think that's kind of a weird half-step. If you're going to do it, do it. But, mm-hmm. I, you know... I, that, I mean, that, I agree, but that sounds exactly like what business is like. Well, it's the safe bet. It, yeah. it definitely sounds like the half-step yep. that a CTO of a medium-sized <laughs> company would make, right? Yeah, yeah. The, I know we should go to the cloud, but if I screw this up, I'm going to be unemployed. Hmm... We have uh, two emails I want to get to before we wrap do up. Do it. I just, but before we do that, I tweeted this out on uh, the 29th of April, and it's just a Linus Torvalds quote. I just I thought it was applic- applicable. It says, if Microsoft ever does applications for Linux, it means I've won. Yeah. Game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, my wife switching over to Linux, I thought that'd be a bomb. She's enjoying it. It's working well for her. And one of the things... You know, so she came to me and she said, uh, so uh, I guess, you know, iPhoto's done, right? This, is a con- this, this has been an ongoing conversation we had. And, and in case she came to me when the update came, and this update's like, you install this update and you're moving over to Photos, right? And that's Apple's new photo application. Yeah, Photos is kind of terrible. And she whatever. said, so uh, if I do this, um, can you tell me what happens if, like, we need to restore, like, if the copy in the cloud gets bad and I want to I delete the copy in the cloud and I just want to restore from my own p- personal backup? And I said, as far as I know, I, I, don't, I don't even think there is a process for that. Like, that, that, nobody's really figured out how you do that yet. And to her, that's just not an acceptable answer. And to, so she felt like it was almost better, in a sense, to move to perhaps an application that might not have all of the functionality. Functionality, now, when she thinks about it, she didn't really have to have, like, some of the crazier, like, face detection stuff or whatever. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Uh, the, but the feature that might matter to her more is not pulling the rug out from underneath her because, um, you know, the new industry trend is to upload everything to the cloud. And she just wants to have it on her hard drive. She wants to copy music from her hard drive to her phone over a USB cable. And that's just how she wants to do it. And there's really technically no reason she can't do it this way other than the marketing priorities of these companies have changed. And in order to be competitive, they're not doing it this way anymore. And so for her, that's why she made the switch. But there's a lot of reasons that people are making it. So for you, you start to make the switch because it starts to make more business sense. It might even make you a more competitive business person. Microsoft starts to make the switch because they need to become more competitive. They need to reach out to developers. They need to, they need to actually be able to visibly demonstrate they're making a change. And so they go to open source. And yes. when, Google, when Google wanted to create the world's next big platform, Android, they went open source. And I, I think it's... It's remarkable. It's remar- it's, it is truly, truly remarkable that we are now at a point where all major companies are playing in open source, basically. All of yes. them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, everybody's open source. I mean, I wanted to talk about this more, but I know we're almost out of time, so we'll wait till next week. Um, I've been playing around with uh, Visual Studio Code, which mm. is Microsoft's. Yeah. I think that's what you were alluding to, their Linux application. Yeah, I've got uh, it running right here under uh, Linux. Right, right. I've got it running on Mac on this machine. I, well, let's talk about it next week because it was going to be the tool of the week, even though I have some reservations about it. It's, okay. Yeah, and I'll still play with this because I haven't got to play. I haven't yeah. played much of this Markdown support yet, but oh. I saw it has some. I wrote a great little web app that spams text uh, a certain person named Zach. Nice. Nice. Uh, okay, two quick follow-ups uh, before we go. Uh, one came in from Jonathan. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, on the, on the topic last week, I got all on Microsoft's case about their Docker implementation. He says, Chris, Microsoft's playing a double game here. They are implementing Docker containers natively on the Windows platform as well as using many Hyper-V instances. This will allow them to run both Windows and Linux containers on, do- on top of the Windows platform, i.e., exactly what I said last week. Windows applications will be containered. Linux applications will be virtualized. The reason why that's a disadvantage is there's going to be a shit ton more Linux applications people want to no. run in, in Docker so, that, so you don't get the advantage of a yeah. container. However, it's yeah. nice that it does it. But, Jonathan, thank you for making it a little more succinct than right. I was able to make it last week. It, it, but it doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, but well, for, for, Windows apps, for Windows apps, it, it totally yeah. does, though. Yeah. Uh, PyCon 2015, uh, videos and slides submitted by underscore AACO. Uh, for those that don't know what PyCon is, PyCon is the largest annual gathering for the community using and developing the open source Python programming language. So it's a bunch of snake drummers. Uh, it ran from uh, April. Or it, yeah, wow, really? So it's, uh, it's over because today is... 
It should be over the, yeah. Yeah, April. Oh, yeah, because this is so May, right. not April, because it's a whole freaking month. Uh, wow. April 8th through the 16th. Uh, man, last month was a blur. Uh, oh, and yeah. he gave us links to the official website, the schedule, but also the things you guys are really going to like from PyCon, the videos and the slides. The slides. Yes. Yeah, those are worth a look. So uh, thank you. Wow. And look, that first one there is an introduction to Docker working with Python. <laughs> Everybody should be using Docker. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, underscore AACO, for uh, submitting to that. Coderadio.reddit.com. That's where he submitted that. And that's where we'd love to get your feedback or topics you'd like to see us discuss. Uh, there was a great video that I don't want to play because um, I've, been, I've been getting polled like crazy on YouTube. And my account yeah. is in a bunch of trouble right now. And I don't know if that's... Flagged yeah, it don't play it. And yeah, you know what but... I did? So in last this Sunday, I played an Indiegogo campaign, and the guys that in their Indiegogo campaign video had copywritten music. So their video had copywritten music, but because I played it in my video, my video got, got pulled. Yeah. That's awful. But there is a great uh, Star Wars, uh, The Bink Awakens, which is a great reference back to this show, and it is a great edit that makes Jar Jar Binks the star of the trailer. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Makes Jar Jar Binks the star? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Also, some great stuff on the Microsoft Build stuff if you want uh, more goodies on that. CoderRadio.reddit.com. Also, go over to JupiterBroadcasting.com and click that contact link. Choose Coder Radio from that dropdown and send us in your emails. Mr. Dominic, where should we send people to see more of you throughout the week? Uh, just follow me at Jumanuka on Twitter and follow at Buccaneer Tech on Twitter. Nice. At Buccaneer Tech on Twitter. They got the Twitter account. Go, go follow yeah. it now, guys. You guys get on the ground floor at Buccaneer Tech and uh, check the show notes. BuccaneerTech.com for a link to that. You can follow me as well. I'm Chris LAS on the Twitters. Oh, did you know we do this show live? We do. JBLive.tv, Mondays, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. Mr. Dominic, have a great week. See you back you here on Monday. You too, my darling. All right, hugs and kisses. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>